Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Last week, we started a new series um, called Questions That God Asks You. Um, and many times in the Bible, um, both this is something that um, both God did in the Old Testament, Jesus does often in the New Testament, is he would ask a question to us. He would ask a question to a person or a question to us. And I still don't have the actual number of how many times um, God or Jesus asked a question about, but it's a lot. There's a lot of times where God asks a question. And of course, we know, and I mentioned this last week, that God is all-knowing, omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. He, he has the capacity to know everything that there is to know. So why would someone who knows everything there is to know ask me a question? You're trying to get information from me, right? Well, obviously, no. When God asks us a question, God isn't looking to get information from us, right? Um, rather, he is looking to do one of three things. We mentioned this last week. When God asks us a question, he's doing one of three things. He's either wanting to share information, lead us to a truth, something about himself or, or something about him. Uh, number two, share information. Number two, bring revelation. And ultimately, number three, to bring transformation to our lives. This is one of the ways that good teachers ask questions, right? Good parents ask questions to their kids, knowing the answer. And so it's been kind of fun going through the scripture and seeing how many different questions God asks people, because we know God isn't looking for information when he asks a question. Um, and, but I think specifically, there are a few instances in scripture where God asks a question, and this is a question that he actually asks to all of humanity, okay? Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. I gave this example last week. Um, in the Gospels, Jesus said to Peter, he said to Peter, um, he said, first of all, who do, who do men say that I am? Who do, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, well, some say you're a prophet, some say you're this, some say you're, some say you're that. <clears throat> and then Jesus asked him another question. He says, but who do you say that I am? What do you say about me? Listen, that's not just a question for Peter. I'm, I'm, it's an insightful question that Jesus asked it. Peter answered it. We gain insight by it, of course, by reading it. But that is a question that each and every one of us has to answer. You are faced with that question. Who do you say that I am? If you don't make that decision in this life, that is a decision that every person will be faced with at some point in eternity. Who do you say that I am? What did you do with Jesus? It's possibly the most important question that anyone will ever ask you. What did you do with Jesus? And so um, last week we focused on the first question that God asked in the entire Bible. The first question was this, where are you? God asked, where are you? Now, he said this to Adam. Where are you, Adam? And I believe that God wasn't trying to track down Adam's geographic location, because if you're all-knowing, you would know where Adam was. But I want to read this text again, because <clears throat> it's going to lead us to the very next question that God asked in the entire Bible. Okay? And so the second question is what we're going to focus on today. So we'll start in Genesis chapter uh, 3, verses 1 through 9. It says this. Now the serpent, which is the devil or Satan, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the, in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? Where are you? Okay. We talked about, again, how God wasn't trying to gain information on Adam's geographical location. I believe, I believe what God was doing, he was calling out to Adam and he was saying, hey, Adam, where's your heart? Adam, where, what, what has happened to our connection? God, what is, uh, Adam, what has happened uh, in our, to our intimacy? Adam, what has happened between us? I think that is a question many times as a, as a believer that God has asked me, that God has come um, before me. Has anyone, have you ever felt like, maybe not in those exact words, but you're just messed up, you're going in the wrong direction, and God's like, hey, hey, where's your heart? What are you doing? Where's our connection? What were we doing? Come on, you know? <clears throat> Adam uh, answers this question, Genesis 3, 10 through 11. He says, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid. Again, I mentioned this last week, that this was the first time any human being had experienced fear before. We were never designed to experience fear, but like a flood, fear, guilt, condemnation floods in when they made that decision to eat from the fruit. I hid from you because I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And there's the, the first inclination that of, of the fallen nature. When we know we're fallen, you know, fallen creatures, or even when we stumble along the way as Christians, how many know that many times our first inclination usually is to hide? Oh, no, I've, I've done something wrong. I'm going to hide from God, right? But, but God was pursuing them. God was actually the pursuer. This is part of his nature is that he comes after us. He leaves the 99 to go after the one, right? God is the pursuer. He was pursuing Adam and Eve to say, hey, where's your heart? Where are you guys? What's going on here? He pursued them. They were trying to hide. And I just want to say in Christ... What we need to do is boldly come before the throne of grace, especially when we stumble, especially when we mess up along the way. We need to run back to him immediately. Press control, alt, delete, right? Come back to God and just get, get going with your relationship with him again. You don't need a two-week sabbatical of guilt, shame, and like wallowing in your, your self-pity and bad decision, right? But that's what we kind of do. We think like I have to, you know... I have to work my way back into right relationship, right standing with God. I have to do some good works, some good deeds, and then I can come before him again, right? Okay, that's not the gospel, though. That's not the gospel, okay? <clears throat> Verse 11. This is what we're going to focus on today. This, this is the second question that God asked the entire Bible. And he said, who told you, God said this, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Second question, entire Bible that God asks, and the title of our message today, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? As I have, as I have grown in the Lord, as I have grown uh, to know him and, and discerning his voice, one of, the, one of the common questions, and maybe even more and more as I've grown more in the Lord, is who told you that? When there's just an idea rolling around in my mind, sometimes I'll, I'll hear the Lord break in and be like, who told you that? I didn't tell you that. Who told you that? You know, you know, sometimes your kids come home from school and they're like, you know what so-and-so said? 
you know, and then there's some like crazy story. It's like, who told you that? That's a, that's a ridic- That's not true. It's a ridiculous story, right? God does this. He does this with me. I don't know if he does this with, with you. I recommend doing this from time to time, asking yourself the question, who did tell me that? What is that thing I'm believing? Many times in our lives, we're listening to the wrong voices and we're believing lies about ourselves or believing lies about the people around us or the world around us, okay? Now, in Adam's case, he was indeed naked, but he got that information from a voice that he was never supposed to listen to in the first place, okay? The devil deceived them, but then this newfound voice of fear, guilt, and condemnation, this conscience, sin conscience in his heart was now saying, hey, Adam, you're not covered anymore. Hey, Adam, you're naked. Hey, Adam, you're exposed, right? This is a voice that God never designed them and intended him to be listening to. And when we listen to the voice that we're not supposed to listen to, we end up in a, in a place that we're not supposed to end up, okay? This is huge, guys. This is huge, okay? How many of us get our beliefs from our past and not who God says we are? How many of us gain our information about who we are and who God says we are from our past and not from who he says we are in his word and who he says uh, we are when he speaks to us? I remember as a, as a young man, um, I made my fair share of like bad decisions. So welcome to the club, right? I made my fair share of really bad choices, like as a, as a teenager, young 20s, you know, man. And so, um, but then the Lord started drawing me, started drawing me in a relationship, and, and um, he started drawing me in intimacy, and I started to know him, and I started to just, you know, one day I'm like, I'm going to go after God with all of my heart, right? And so I'm growing with the Lord, and I knew there, there came a day where I felt the Lord on my heart. He said, he, I, I believe he, he was leading me, and I knew that he was leading me to be one day in full-time vocational ministry. I knew that early on in my relationship with the Lord. I, I know that I'm called to be a pastor. I knew that he was calling me to full-time vocational ministry. And I remember at that time I said, well, yeah, God, but I can't do that because, you know, my past disqualifies me. I'm disqualified. You know, no, who's going to listen to me? No one's going to hire me, right? No one's going to listen to me, Right? And so I'm disqualifying myself because of my past. What was happening? I was, I was gaining information about who God had called me to be and what to do by the things I had done and not from who he had called me to be. Does that make sense? I said that pretty fast. Okay. And so I, one day I just felt like the Lord broke in. He said, hey, who told you that? Who told you that no one will hire you and no one will listen to you? Did I tell you that? Right? What voice are you listening to? I didn't tell you that. And I just felt like the Lord was like firm with me. He said, I'm going to call who I want to call, and I'm calling you. And listen, with your calling, I, it, the scope of what God calls you to do and what you do in this life is, is whatever. The, the, the level of promotion or the level of influence, it's kind of up to him, honestly. What we, what we need to be faithful with is God told me to do this, and I'm going to put my foot here and take a step. What did he tell me to do next? Boom, this, right? Okay. Where we end up and, and how much influence we have or what we end up doing, that's, up to, that's totally up to God. He's the one who, who does all that. What we need to be faithful with is just, you know what, doing the very next thing. He called me. He put this on my heart, and I'm just going to do the next thing. I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm going to follow the Lord into it. Okay? So I realized at that time I was getting most of my beliefs from my past experiences rather than my new identity in Jesus. Okay? 
Now, we don't, of course, we don't deny the past, but we shouldn't be gaining our theology and our new identity by the things we've walked through, by the things we've come through, right? Unless they're testimonies, you know, unless God has done something amazing in you. But we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be informed by our identity, by our past mistakes and our failures, okay? And I realized that that's, what's, that's what was happening to me in my life. So my question for you guys today, are you getting your beliefs from your past experiences rather than your new identity in Jesus? Um, I mean, how many have prayed for, you prayed for someone, prayed for physical healing for someone, and nothing happens? Okay, if you, if, <laughs> if you believe this, you probably stepped out. You've taken some risks, which by the way, Here's the thing about praying for people to receive healing or praying for miracles. There is the thrill of victory, and sometimes there's the agony of defeat, right? If you want, if you want like, no hurt and no problem or no pain, like, yeah, you can just not believe for anything, right? But if you believe that this gospel is true and that God is who he says he is, you're going to be taking some risks. You're going to be stepping out and doing some things that are uncomfortable, right? And I remember, as, as, again, as a young man in ministry at this point, I had I'd prayed for, like, a lot of people. Nothing was happening. No one was getting healed. And then I prayed for someone who died. And I've actually prayed for a lot of people who died, so maybe you shouldn't have me pray for you. No. <laughs> but listen, but if you believe, if you're believing, <laughs> have Hannah pray for you, all right? No. <laughs> She's, yeah. If you're believing in this stuff, you're going to be taking risks. You're going to be stepping out. And I remember I had just really bad experiences for a while. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't think God uses me to, in that way. I don't think he flows through me like that, you know? And, and what we do many times, people are like, oh, maybe miracles really aren't for today. Maybe they're a thing of the past. And I, I remember just hearing the voice of the Lord break in. like, who told you that? <laughs> Whose voice is that? Right? Whose voice are you listening to? Okay? We shouldn't gain our... our um, we shouldn't gain our understanding of what God can do by what we failed with in the past. Okay? What do we do sometimes? We elevate our experience over who the, what the Word of God says we can do. We elevate our experience over the Bible. Right? We elevate our experience over who He says we are. And we end up in a way bad place. And I just want to say some of us here, some of us need to repent because we've elevated our experiences over what God says. Okay? I just want to, I want to give you permission to, to re-sign up for this and say, you know what? I've believed for these things. Maybe they have or haven't happened. And thank God I have seen awesome miracles. I have seen testimonies. I have seen them float through me, and I know that it's true. But I just want to give you permission to, to not base your theology based upon your past experiences. Okay, so who told you that? Um, I'm just going to give you a few examples of just times where people believe lies and, and God breaks in and says, that's not who you, I say you are. Um, I was asking my wife this week. I said, um, do you have an example of like a time you believed a lie about yourself? And she said when she, was in her, uh, when she was in her young 20s, she was leading worship. So in the service, she was leading worship. And the, the team, the band was like new playing together. And she, she wasn't used to it. They weren't used to each other. And the set just kind of, it had some rough moments. It had some rough patches. It kind of bombed, okay? And so now listen. We all kind of bomb from time to time. Like, sometimes I get up here and the message falls flat. Sometimes the worship team gets up here. It just doesn't come together. You know, that just happens from time to time. Um, But anyway, at that time in my wife's life, um, it just went really rough. And so there's a leader in her life 
um, that said to her, um, you know, there are leaders of, there are, <laughs> pen fell in my pocket. <clears throat> it's going to be archived on the video. <laughs> We're professionals up here. All right. So my wife has this leader in her life after just a terrible worship experience that she had. She's feeling really discouraged. This leader says to her, you know what? There are leaders of fives or leaders of tens. There's leaders of fifties. There's leaders of hundreds and there's leaders of thousands. And you're just the leader of tens. <laughs> okay. For years, my wife had this ceiling over her that says, I can only lead 10 people. I can only lead worship for 10 people. That's my ceiling. For years, there was this false ceiling over her, this artificial ceiling that had been placed over her. Why? She believed something that someone said about her. Uh, you know, someone she respected, a leader. Sometimes leaders say things to us. I don't know. I just want to give you permission to throw things out sometimes. And it might even be me every once in a while. I don't know. So don't throw everything out. But <clears throat> Okay. She had this imaginary ceiling of her because she believed something about herself that wasn't true. She's definitely called to lead more than 10 people, okay? She's definitely called to lead hundreds and even thousands. So, amen? Okay. Uh, Thursday, we had our, we had our uh, city group. Uh, we've been meeting on Thursdays this semester. By the way, it's been going awesome. I hope your city groups are going well. I hope you're in a city group. It's been really powerful. Our city group this uh, semester... Um, we don't have any curriculum. We're just reading. We're doing the book of Ephesians. We just sit down. We read a chapter, and I have no script. It's like, let's just talk about the Bible. What stood out to you guys? It's been really fun. I love it. And so, because everything else is a script, so it's like, let's get in the Word. Anyway, we're with our, our city group, and I go, I know what I'm preaching on this weekend. I'm like, hey, does anyone have an example of a, of a lie that maybe you believed and God revealed to you later on that you were believing a lie? And one of the guys in my group, he said... You know what? When I was a kid, my mom told me one time, not like repeatedly, told me one time that I was stupid. And he said, I believed I was stupid into his adulthood. He believed a lie that he was stupid all the way into his adulthood. Okay, that's how subtle, you say it one time, but that's how subtle it can be. By the way, I was typing this message and I, I typed the word stupid and I misspelled it. And I thought, <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of. You know, if you, if you write to someone that you're stupid, you have to spell the word stupid right, you know, <laughs> or idiot or whatever it is. I'm like, is it stupid to misspell the word stupid? I don't know. <laughs> I will say something about myself. I am a, I'm a terrible speller, you know what I mean? But thank you, Jesus. I live in the age of spell check, and my identity does not come from being a good speller, okay? If, if you ever see a whiteboard up here, it's because someone else is about to write on it. Yeah. When I, when I was teaching a school of ministry, I would have Melinda, like, write on the whiteboard for me. Because, <laughs> yeah, just not a good speller. Okay. But spell check is amazing. Okay. So that's why when, okay, when your kids do something stupid, you can say, that's stupid. But that's different than saying, you're stupid, right? Like, when my kids are about to do something smart or did something not smart, I'm like, you know what, that's not smart. I try to be really careful with the distinction saying, you're stupid. That's dumb, you know. I don't say you're dumb. Like, there's a huge difference there. You guys, you guys, you guys with me on that? This week, this kind of happened this week with my 
with my daughter and I, I was, uh, we're kind of wrestling and I was, you know, tickling her. And you guys know that like spot, like near your clavicle, it's really ticklish. Evie's pretty ticklish. So you, if I put your, you know, hold her arms and then put your chin, put your chin right there, you know, that just lights kids up, you know? <laughs> and so I'm wrestling with her. I have her arms and I'm trying to, you know, tickle her in her clavicle. And she, you know, she has no way to stop me. So she just licks me. <laughs> She like licked my face and I just let go. <laughs> and I just stood back and I was like, and this is the, my knee jerk reaction was like, I just said, you're gross, you're gross. And then now if you tell a little boy that he's gross, he'll probably be like, yeah, I'm pretty gross, you know. <laughs> but little girls are different, right? So her countenance kind of like, like, you know, gets, her countenance fades a little bit and she's like, you think I'm gross? And I'm like, okay. Let me back up. You're not gross, but what you just did was really gross. Please don't ever look at me again. Okay, those little, but those little subtleties, you know, how many people believe they're dumb because the teacher said they were dumb? How many people believe they're stupid because someone said they're stupid? Well, I just want to say there's a huge difference between I did something wrong and I am something wrong. Okay, if you did something wrong, you did something wrong. But that's not who you are, and that's not your new identity. Amen? That's a huge difference between I am something wrong. Okay? And many of us believe I, there's something wrong with me, not just I did something wrong. All right? There is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction actually is a thing that the Holy Spirit does. And it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's not cozy, you know. But conviction ultimately draws us to God. That's conviction. It's like, hey, uh, you're messing up, but come on, you know, let's get close and let's stop doing that thing. That's conviction. Condemnation is what pushes us away from God. And with, the, with us, with believers, he's not condemning us. He's convicting us. He's drawing us. He's calling us higher, okay? So big difference. So maybe you're here. A teacher told you you were dumb and, or a parent. Okay, who told you that? Maybe you think no one cares about you. Who told you that? No one notices me. Who told you that? Everyone would be better off without me. I think I know who told you that, and it wasn't God, okay? Who told you that? Or here, here's one. I'm too old, or I'm too young. Who told you you were too old? Who told you you were too young? I was recently listening to a, um, a leadership podcast from a pastor, and he was saying in his early, he, he started ministry in his 20s, and he said, in my 20s, I just remember thinking, um, for the longest time, he remembers thinking, like, I'm, I'm too young. I'm too young. I feel too young. For, for years and years, I'm too young. And he says, one day, he wakes up, and he's in his 40s at this point. And he goes, maybe I'm too old, <laughs> you know? So his whole first part of his ministry, he feels too young. He wakes up one day. He's like, I think I'm too old. He said, it occurred to me, I never felt just right. I never felt like, this is it. This is, I feel just right. He said, and if, I, if it did happen, it must have happened when I was 42 and a half years old at 3.30 in the morning while I was asleep for one minute, right? <laughs> like, I was just right for one minute, and I didn't even realize it because I was asleep. Okay, I'm too young. I'm too old. I, I remember, this is kind of silly, but uh, my wife and I got married when I was 24. You're 23, right? Uh, I'm 24, and then I, then I had my birthday, turned 25, and my wife can tell you this. Like, I had a little bit of a quarter-life identity crisis. I'm like, babe, I'm closer to 30. Closer to 30. You know, 30. You know how old 30 is? 30. I'm closer to that than 20. 
you know, I, when I first moved to Greeley, I lived with a guy, and he was like 30, whatever. And I'm like, 30? You're old. You're old. And then I was like 20. He's like, you're going to be 30 like tomorrow. You're going to wake up and be 30 like before you, before you know it. And he was right. So, but we, how many, how many of us believe we're not right? I'm too old. I'm too young. Let me tell you something. You're right where you need to be with your age. You know why? God called you to be born at a certain time in your life, and you are the age you're supposed to be. Amen? Uh, I told, I've told this story before, but there was a, there was a, when we were doing college ministry, there was a young lady in our ministry, and their worship was going on, and she was up at the altar, and she was crying, and my wife prayed for her. And so later on that night, I go, hey, what was, what was going on with the girl? Is she okay? You know, what's going on? We don't always share you know, what people are going through because it's not appropriate. But in this case, my wife was like, well, it's kind of funny. This girl, she's eight, 18 years old, 18. And she's up at the altar and she's crying. And she's like, Emily's like, can I pray for you? And she's like, I, I just feel like I'm never going to get married. <laughs> she's crying, crying her heart out about it. She's never going to get married. Now listen, this girl was pretty. Like, I can say this for my wife. It's okay. This girl is really pretty. In fact, later on, she turned out to do, like, fitness modeling and stuff. Like, literally, okay, so literally, like, one year later, she was married. She was, like, a teenage bride, 19 years old. Okay, believing that her life is over at 18 because she wasn't married. Okay? This is how subtle this happens to us at times. Okay? So who told you you're too old? Who told you you're too old to go to school to start a business? Right? If God calls you and tells you to do something, you're just right. Amen? Who told you you were too young? Who told you you missed the boat? And I just want to say that the enemy of your soul, he, he may not be able to get you to deny Jesus. But I think the enemy of our soul wants to get us to believe any number of lies to alienate us from community, to get us off our game so that we're not walking in the fullness of what God has for us. Right? Um, good is the enemy of best. God, listen, the enemy of your soul, Satan, he will take good any day over God's best for you. He maybe, maybe can't get you to totally turn your back on God and be in utter sin, but he can maybe get you to forfeit good for God's absolute best for you, okay? Regret is a huge thief, and, and thinking you're too young, thinking you're too old is a huge, um, a huge problem, okay? You're just right. I believe most spiritual warfare happens right here. Happens in the mind. Most spiritual warfare. This is where the battles are won. This is where the battles are lost. Right here in your thinking. Okay. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3 through 5. This is a powerful verse. It says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Ooh, that's exciting. Where's that going to happen? We think out here many times. But watch this. Verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Okay, the strongholds, many times, they're not out here. Yes, I believe in regional principality, demonic things, whatever. But many times, the stronghold is right here in your mind, between your ears. Okay, because you're listening to the wrong voice. Okay, so we, listen, church, take your thoughts captive. You need to take your thoughts captive. God has given you divine power to demolish those strongholds in your thinking. We need to do that, okay? So what lies are you believing about yourself and the world around you? What lies are you believing? Now, I want to illustrate something real quick. Let me have, maybe, Ben, can you come up here real fast? 
Thanks, buddy. So, oh, thanks. I brought my pen back. Um, okay, I'm going to have you um, see these lines here. Yeah. Now, we're supposed to walk parallel with God, right? Let's walk parallel. Walk parallel in truth and with God. Amen? But if, if, if I have a slight divergence, not like 90 degrees, a slight divergence of truth in my life, as I begin to walk forward, as time goes on, I get further and further away from who God said I am and who God's called me to be. Thank you. That was, that was good. Give my hand, guys. So maybe a subtle lie, a subtle lie, like you're gross, you know, your, your dad calling you gross. Maybe a subtle lie, it's a oh, big deal. Yeah, that was really gross. You're gross, you know. But maybe over time, going unchecked, that lie can be like, I'm gross. I'm disgusting. People don't like me. No one loves me. You know what I mean? Unchecked lies over time can become big problems in our lives, okay? <laughs> I, I could see like a few years going by and believing the war was still going on, but 29 years after World War II ended, he's still fighting people. He killed over 30 Filipinos. They killed over 30 Filipinos, injured hundreds of others, destroyed crops for nearly three decades after the war had ended. Why? He believed a lie. He believed that Japan could never and would never surrender and that his commanding officers would always come back for him. In his mind, it wasn't possible that that could happen. So I, what I want to ask you today is, is there a lie in your life? He talked about having that gun he's polished and carried like a baby for years. Is there a lie that you're polishing and carrying like a baby for years because it's going to protect you? Sometimes we, we put up these walls and we believe these lies that are meant to protect us, but they're actually causing us to waste our lives. Okay, what I want to say is look out for statements like this. We make statements like this in our heart. I will always or I will never. In his case, they will never surrender. They could never surrender. I will, okay, so I will always be overweight, in debt, depressed, or in pain. Uh, who told you that? Okay. Um, how about this one? I will never turn out like my dad. He was an overbearing disciplinarian. He was overbearing. Okay, maybe that's great. You won't turn out like your dad to be overbearing. But what happens when you raise kids and you're on the opposite side of the spectrum and they have no boundaries in their lives? Right? Usually, when we react to an error, we end up on the opposite side of the spectrum in error. Okay? Or, how about this one? My parents neglected me, so I'm going to focus all my attention on my kids. But then you end up raising kids that think that the universe revolves around them. Because you're always hyper-focused on your kids. Right? Um, maybe, maybe this one relates to someone. I was taken advantage of by a man, so men must not be safe. And you make an inner vow. I will never trust a man again. I will never trust a man. You know who's safe? Women are safe. I'll trust women. Right? When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. Okay? Satan is a liar. When you believe his lies, you're empowering him to operate in your life. And we need to break those lies of our lives. Okay? So I'm going to close with this. You know what's so deceiving about deception? Is that it's deceiving. Right? <laughs> That's what's so deceiving about deception, is that it's deceiving. And I have known people, like even people I respect, mentors in my lives, who they're like rock solid, I learned from them, people I know and respect, that get, got so far off into weird deception, believing like something's okay in their life, it's like totally not okay, like you told me this wasn't okay, now you're doing this, you know? 
And then later on, they get out of that lie, they get out of that thing that they're in, and they will say of themselves, I can't even believe I was believing those things about myself. I can't even believe, I was like out of my own mind, out of my mind, believing some, something about me that isn't true, believing that what I'm doing is okay. That's what's so deceiving about deception, okay? I want to give you some application today for what we're talking about. How do, we, how do we know, how do you know you're in deception if it's so deceiving, okay? One of the things I want to say is live in community and let people see in. Like give people permission. Some, listen, if no one has permission to wound you, you're in a bad place. If no one has permission, the Bible says the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy, okay? If no one in your life has permission to wound you, you're in a bad place, okay? Let people see in. People who love you, now, it won't feel cozy, just like the conviction of the Holy Spirit doesn't feel cozy, but people that love you, let them speak in your life. And you know that they want what's best for you. They wouldn't, like, hurt you on purpose. They, they want what's best for you, so they're confronting you. Let people speak in. Live in community. And I will say this. Let God see in. Let him challenge. What is that thing you're doing? Why are you so, you know, let him challenge you. What are you believing? Why do you believe that? Who told you that? Okay? Well, that's the application today I want to just give you guys. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us and we hope you have a blessed week.